listening to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. Well, we have a special treat today at Affect Autism. We have Dr. Gil Tippy. We've had him on before, but it's been a long time. Welcome, Dr. Tippy. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. I'm really excited. Yes, I'm excited to have you too because we're talking about a brand new project that we haven't discussed at Affect Autism. Uh, Dr. Gil Tippy used to be the clinical director at the Rebecca School in Manhattan, a, a DIR floor time school, developmental individual differences, relationship-based uh, school, started with Dr. Stanley Greenspan, and um, he is a clinical consultant to Oakwood Academy in Canada, the only DIR school in Canada, and he helped start Shrub Oak Academy. I believe that's the last podcast we did, which was quite a while ago, and that is in upstate New York, a residential school that has all kinds of outdoor activities and wonderful opportunities, and I'll put a link to all these things in the blog post for today's podcast. But what we're focusing on today is your new project, because you are now in California. I am, and so happy to be here. You have no idea. Uh, Excellent. I was, in, I was in Toronto last week and got snowed in. What, uh, <laughs> what a lovely reminder of, of why it is that I love Northern California. So why really, you're happy to be off Long Island? Because I heard they had quite the weather last week. Or, or a few yeah, weeks well, I never loved Long Island anyways, <laughs> I have to say. I, I lived there for a lot of years, never loved it. Um, grew up in northern New Jersey, though, and I did love northern New Jersey. But I am uh, sick and tired of the freezing cold weather and the, the snow and all of that stuff. So northern California suits me just fine. Thank you. Excellent. So, really happy to be here. And it also relates directly to my, um, my current project, which is a farming project. So uh, having yes. a place where we can have year-round farming and year-round activities really makes sense. Perfect. Well, I learned something new about you today. Uh, I learned why you don't have a Long Island accent, because you grew up in northern New Jersey, not in uh, Manhattan, New York area. Well, you can have a horrible accent growing up uh, in New Jersey. Horrible accent. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't have one because when I, I actually learned to speak in Boston, Massachusetts, or a little suburb right outside of Boston. <laughs> and I had a very, very strong Massachusetts accent. And when my family moved to New Jersey, um, the speech and language pathologist in my school thought that I had a speech impediment because I had a, <laughs> because I had a Boston accent. So I said, had I'm going to go park my car in the parking lot. Exactly. <laughs> And um, so I had to go to a speech language pathologist <laughs> simply to get rid of my Boston accent. And when my mother, my mother discovered that I was going to the speech pathologist, because back in those days, you could just take kids out of class and do whatever you wanted with them. Um, uh, she put an end to that. But anyways, so I did learn to not speak with a Boston accent. So. Okay, well, let's get on to the topic at hand today. This is Dr. Tippy's latest project, Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance. And let's look here at your mission statement, and then I'll let you take it away and tell us about it. The mission is to create an appropriate developmental space to help members of the autism spectrum disorder community bring their full value to society on a small family-owned organic far, on small family-owned organic farms in economically challenged communities, while providing nutritious foods in food deserts with the support of at-risk teens and young adults 
Dirty Hands will foster appropriate developmental growth while supporting each individual as they explore their thoughts, feelings, interests, and desires at their own pace. This sounds very floor time. Well, it is floor time. It's only floor time. Uh, that's all that we're doing. And um, it, I really love that you got the mission statement up there. We spent an awful lot of time on that mission statement. It packs a ton of information in there. And uh, since you've read it now, I don't have to do the podcast. So I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> Um, well, let, let's unpack everything that's in there. Let me know if you want me to throw it back up. No, no, I got it. So Dirty Hands Developmental was really a re reaction to the fact that there aren't great transition services from my perspective, from the DIR floor time perspective, available to people after their uh, secondary education. So in the United States, you go through high school. Very often you get to stay until uh, 21 or 22 if you have a developmental challenge. Um, if you're lucky, 22 at some states. Um, at 22, all of a sudden you find yourself with very little support. There are transition programs. I don't mean to say that there aren't, but I looked at how they were operating and I was not enthusiastic about it. Um, they certainly weren't um, able to do the things that a developmental individual difference relationship-based uh, DIR floor time program would call for. So Dirty Hands Developmental is at least in part a reaction to that. So it's a it comes from the developmental perspective. And for me, that's DIR floor time. Frankly, as those of you who've sat in on talks with me, Daria, you know, I don't actually care that much about what your developmental model is, so long as you're thinking developmentally. I happen to think in the one that uh, Stanley Greenspan created, and I think that way. But if you think developmentally, all you have really have to do is think, okay, first a child does this thing, then they do 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 this thing. That's a developmental model. And the developmental levels build on each other. It isn't necessarily uh, direct. And sometimes people go up and go down. We all drop developmentally when we're frustrated, sad, hungry all those other things but um, it's a developmental model and people make progress for me and the way that I think about our young adults the educational system the way it is currently set up at least in the United States and I think in many other Western countries um, and really in countries around the world if you take a look at educational systems is that we bring students in and then we exit them somewhere around 18 with the notion that they're going to go on to higher education of some sort or they'll go on into the world of work and career. And our students are not necessarily um, on that time scale. That the schools were created for students who were going to move along developmentally in a more neurotypical way and not necessarily in a way that um, our students move. So I've done this a million times, so let me show it to you again. If this is a graph and this line develops is typical development, and this, um, this is how our schools are set up, right? One year of growth, uh, age equals one year of growth, and so slowly but surely you get to 18 and you're ready to leave the school system. Um, our students might be developing at this line so that one year of growth 
isn't one year of age isn't necessarily one year of development, and maybe they're not going to actually get out to where uh, they would be able to leave the school system until way out here. So um, this is a response to the notion that you don't just drop off the school system at 22 and then suddenly, okay, I'm ready, I'm going off into the world of work or world of college, wherever it is that I'm going, if you have a developmental challenge. The good news is that there is plenty of time to continue to work on developmental challenges. And um, one of the brilliant things that I thought Dr. Greenspan actually said was that having a developmental challenge means that the window stays open, that you can continue to work. So while it may require some resources from our uh, society up front, in the long run, getting someone to where they are fully functioning and independent individuals living the lives that they wanted to live um, from the pieces that grew within them is much more cost effective and much more valuable to the society than not actually supporting them through their whole development and then getting them to a place where we're still in a position where individuals need a tremendous amount of support. So um, this is that reaction. We're going to create a developmental transition type of service. So that was the first reaction. So I want a DIR program. Um, The second reaction is that we want to be socially responsible. It's really important that we do socially meaningful work when we're doing work. It's important to the individuals who are working, uh, the staff. Uh, It's important to the society. But it's also important to the consumers that the work be um, meaningful. So. that's one of the reasons that we've chosen to support the organic farming community and small farms in general. So let me tell you about that aspect of the model, and then uh, we can talk more about it. Farmers, small farmers in general, are the people who are tending the earth and making sure that the earth stays fertile and making sure that we continue to be able to raise crops. Um, Organic farmers are particularly attuned to that. They want the Uh, dirt to be able to continue to grow crops. They want to not pollute. They want to create healthful and nutritious foods for people. Um, And small farmers in general are actually better at that than the large corporate farms that actually produce a tremendous or eat up most of our land and and produce a lot of our food. Um, So the problem is that small farmers are under assault everywhere that financially they are in terrible shape. Um, it is very difficult to make a living as a small farmer, even if your, far- your family has been farmers for generations and generations and generations. Um, people are losing their lands. Uh, they're, they're, having, they're losing their property to mortgage. They have had to spend more and more money in order to just get their product to uh, the table. Um, so they're in terrible shape. The average organic farmer is a small farmer. It's a small family farm. They make very little profit. They work uh, unusually long hours and they are under pressure and going out of business as well. That it's not entirely true everywhere. There are some really great organic farming communities that make really great money. Um, the, there's a market gardener who uh, is sort of the guru of things in actually in Canada. Um, uh, Jean-Martin Fortier uh, but mostly organic farmers are small families that are really struggling. Here in Sonoma County, we have tons of organic farmers and tons of organic markets, but the farmers can't actually get there. So part of what we wanted to do, in addition to doing a 
super um, high um, intensity uh, developmental program for people to continue their educations after their secondary education. We also wanted to do it in the context of helping some group that needed real help and organic farmers are one of them. So our uh, model takes place on an already established organic farm, um, a small farm, a small family farm that needs support. What the, what the farm is getting from the Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance is rent. We are renting space on their farm. And what we are doing is providing an educational setting, essentially, for continued developmental growth on that organic farm. And we are giving them rent. And we are saying to the farmer, you know, give us this outbuilding. We need a whiteboard. We need some other stuff. Um, we're going to continue to offer DIR floor time support, OTPT, speech and language, uh, mental health, and um, other needed services on your space. In return, you're going to get rent, and we may, and we hope, uh, we may be able to offer you work on your farm. Every day, we'll come together as a group, we'll do really great developmental work, we'll do all of the work about planning and the ability to think abstractly and moving up developmentally amongst a diverse group of people with um, wide neuro uh, neurodiverse profiles. We'll do that in the context of having really great clinical support. And we may, if you need, let's say you need your beet field weeded and you don't bring a tractor onto it because that destroys the tilth of the land, that hurts the, the land itself. So you really weed everything by hand. We may actually get out to weed your beet field. It is possible. We may not. We may never get outside to weed your beet field because the truth is in a DIR model, I don't actually care if the beets get weeded. What I care is that the process of working through how are we going to make decisions about what our actions are going to be today is the actual process. So um, in a, what we get from the farmer in addition to the space is we get a proportion of um, their uh, produce. Maybe it'll even be their ugly produce. They may be putting together community-supported agriculture baskets, which is how many organic farms make their living. Community-supported agriculture, for those of you who don't know, is when a farmer takes a subscription from somebody who really wants great organic vegetables uh, coming to them weekly. And they uh, pay up front, which helps the farmer. The farmer then makes available to them a box every week with whatever's coming out of the field that week. And um, they, that's how organic farms are sort of trying to keep alive. So we're going to take part of the produce that comes out of the field. I think probably the ugly produce, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with the notion of ugly produce, but it's, it's the stuff that people go, I'm not going to buy that at a farmer's market, but it's actually just as nutritious and you know, perfectly well, but it's an odd shaped carrot or something. Right. And we're going to take that produce and we're going to be the group that distributes that to our next group of people. So first, we're doing DIR floor time. Second, we're helping um, the community in the form of helping the organic farmers. Third, we're going to help people with nutritional challenges. So organic food generally does not get to people with dire nutritional challenges. 
generally it gets to people with the financial wherewithal to buy organic foods. Um, and that's fine with me. I mean, that's wonderful. But the people um, surrounding these farms here in Sonoma County, let's imagine that the people who are actually hired to pick the foods on the larger farms or to work in the vineyards that are surrounding me where I sit here today or um, work um, in the apple orchards or any of the places here, it is possible that those individuals can't actually buy the organic foods. In addition, they can't even get to a grocery store because they're in a food desert. So the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, and I'm sure departments of agriculture around the world have definitions for this, but the USDA says that a food desert um, is defined by not being able to get to a place where you could get fresh produce and other healthy foods um, easily. And usually that's considered to be more than a mile away uh, from one of those spots. So here, even in beautiful Sonoma County, which has tremendous foods, um, people are in a food desert. And a lot of those people are people who um, can't, don't own a car, can't get to other places. And uh, I used to live in uh, Santa Rosa. I now live in Sebastopol. In Santa Rosa, um, there was a gas station near my house where people got most of the nutritional needs met at the little quickie mart. Um, there was a place we could buy tacos and a couple of other things and then simple other prepared foods. And there was a population living very nearby that was using that as their grocery store. And that's what they mean by a food desert, that you can't actually get foods which are healthful. Um, I have a lot of um, discussion that I could talk about with, with food justice, um, food equity, um, but we won't talk about it here. But those are the issues that we're attempting to address. So our um, folks who are receiving services to the Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance are um, going to be um, supporting a farm, getting good developmental services for themselves, including transition services, which will allow them to make the decision to go on to the world of work or the world of, of higher education, and are also now supporting um, people in real nutritional need in the community. And the way we're going to do that is um, we will take a storefront in an economic development zone. Um, economic development monies in the United States come from the federal government, um, get spread out to the state, the state distributes them to the counties, the counties make decisions about what to designate as an economic development zone, meaning a place where there is a real challenge for businesses. Um, the way Sonoma County decided to distribute that is a political issue that I'm not gonna get into right now. But what we'll be doing is going into a community that has real challenges and renting a storefront and using that as our space where we can start to distribute food. Now, the reason we won't do it through a farmer's market is because there's really good research that says that the people who are in nutritional need will not go to a farmer's market. A, they can't get there because there's no public transit to it. And B, they don't feel comfortable there. They might not speak the language. Um, they might stand out as people of color in a, in a place where um, they normally don't go. Um, there are real social challenges for people to go to farmer's markets if they're not um, a, of a certain social class or socioeconomic class. It's a real class issue. So we're going to distribute foods uh, in places where you can get to them and um, distribute them in an economic development zone that really needs our, our presence anyways. Um, along with that, 
when we distribute the foods, what we're going to do is um, have the local community college. Uh, we have a really great community college system here in um, California. I don't know what the, what the general concept is in Canada, but um, here, if you need a cheaper way to go to college in order to get your basics met and then go on to the rest of the academic world, very often that's done through a really robust and well-funded and um, great community college, junior college system. So we're going to go to our local community college, bring a nutritionist in, and the nutritionist on the days when we distribute food to people is going to give cooking classes, which our individuals will participate in. And the reason we want to do that is, A, it's tremendous for our consumers, but B, imagine that, you know, this is Sonoma County. Kale is all the thing, right? So there's tons of kale. And uh, imagine that we're distributing kale. And maybe that isn't a um, traditional ingredient in your culture and you're receiving this, this uh, basket of food. Um, so the nutritionist is going to take recipes, adapt them culturally uh, to the ingredients that are available and show people how to use them, um, nutritious foods in general. There's still a lot of challenges with this idea. Remember that some of these people don't actually have really great access to good cooking facilities, may not have access to stoves. I mean, there are a lot of issues, but we're going to try to tackle it as best we can. So that's the next part, supporting an economic development zone. Uh, a community that's really depressed and having challenges economically and trying to offer that support. Um, you can see that the whole thing that we're aiming for is to flip the paradigm on autism services. And generally the paradigm, and I don't mean to be condescending or, or, um, or dismissive in any way when I, when I talk about this, but generally the paradigm is that the autism community says, oh, we're the autism community, we need the uh, society in general to support us, please come to our aid, we need your money, we need your services, please support us. We, and I want to flip that script because I really now, having worked in the autism community for many years, understand that the most, some of the most talented people I have ever met in the society um, are actually members of the autism community. And um, we, in the neurotypical community, desperately need this group of people to be in our society. And so this whole Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance is designed to flip the script on um, developmental challenges in general and say, look, you guys need us. We're going to come to the aid of you, the general society, and try to make things better. And we're going to come and solve some of your societal problems or at least begin to contribute to that. And so that's really the whole general idea. We want people to look at the Dirty Hands Developmental logo, which is a really beautiful uh, logo, which was generously donated to us by um, Milkshake Studios in Brooklyn. And um, we want them to look at that and say, uh, hey, we can get, there it is right there, that, that logo right there. Um, those are the rolling hills of Sonoma County there. Um, so uh, our notion is that we want people to look at that logo and say, oh, that's the group that's contributing to the benefit of our community, not the group that's walking around um, looking for uh, general support and needing more support. I actually think um, 
that's the way we need to flip the script. So uh, have I touched on all those subject areas in the mission statement? Um, the notion is, of course, that we want people to get to the, to the delivery end, the exit of our system, of our Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance. And I do not see us as a permanent place for people. I think people will enter at the end of their secondary education. Um, they will stay as they move up developmentally. When they reach a developmental point where they make a decision about where they wish to go in the society, whether they're going to go on to the world of work and career, um, whether they're going to go on to the um, world of higher education. When they make that decision and we support them in reaching that, they can just leave. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a really big believer in the notion that healthy birds fly away. And I think the way to help people reach uh, the goals that they want to, to bloom into the individuals that they were meant to be, is to support them developmentally. The reason, there's another reason why you have to work, to, um, why Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance came into being. The transition programs that I've seen um, very often require that the work being done get delivered. So let me explain what I mean by that. So the work um, of a, let's say, a cupcake bakery for some reason, as I've traveled around this country, very often I find that part of the transition programs that I've seen very often include a bakery and very often include a cupcake bakery. So it's interesting to me, whether it be San Francisco or New York, it, it's interesting that very often there's a bakery involved with developmental challenges. Anyway, so when you uh, are at the bakery, the cupcake is going to get made and it has to go to the individual who's buying the cupcake. Um, and that means that an individual uh, with a challenge is going to get prompted through the steps at the very least, because at the end of the day, there has to be a cupcake sitting there. And it's true of almost every transition service that I've ever seen. At the end of the day, the thing has to be done. I really thought long and hard about how can you create a transition service where at the end of the day, it is not necessary that the individual who's consuming the service, in this case, a person with autism spectrum disorder, um, that individual does not have to have produced a thing. Because if you're going to work in the DIR floor time model, those of you who know me well know that, you know, this gesture, I don't know, what are we doing next, um, is part of the deal. And it means that the work is allowing the space holding space and time for a person, allowing the space to um, let the individual actually realize that he or she or they have thoughts and those thoughts are things that you can act on and that uh, the space to actually take your processing time and actually do what you need to do. And you cannot do that if a cupcake has to be delivered. So I thought so hard about it, and what we came up with is the notion that existing organic farms are already running. They are already producing their produce. There's an unusually redundant uh, sentence, producing produce. But they're creating their thing already, and they're selling it already, right? And um, they can use financial support. 
They do always have outbuildings that aren't necessarily being fully utilized. And, um, and so we can do the work there and maybe support them, maybe get stuff done on the farm for them, maybe add value in that particular way, um, which, you know, we, during which we would be delivering occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech and language pathology, um, mental health services, and any other service they need in addition to the DIR floor time support in the context of meaningful work on the farm. Um, but maybe it wouldn't, and it wouldn't matter because the farmer would have already had production plans, which would allow them to, um, which would allow them to put out the stuff. So that's what, one of the reasons why we chose this group. Secondly, was they were in tremendous need. Um, small farmers are winking out all over the all over the country, and it's a it's a real challenge. But third, and uh, this matters a great deal to people west of the Mississippi in the United States, maybe not as much to people east of the Mississippi. Um, so in the Western United States, um, there's a strong acknowledgement and a strong movement to realize that uh, toxicity um, in our foods and toxicity in our environment um, seems to correlate in some way with autism spectrum challenges and the prevalence of them. And so organic farms are one of the few places um, where we in our society are actively attempting not to be toxic. Almost everywhere else, the exposure to environmental toxins is uh, ubiquitous. Um, you cannot avoid them. I was at a conference a few years ago, and a, a good friend of mine was presenting, and he was presenting on toxicity in the environment. And I asked him, where is it safe? He said, well, nowhere, really. Maybe uh, the top of a mountain or next to the ocean would be the best you could do. But uh, almost everywhere now is polluted and toxic. So we ch chose organic farms as this one safe place where you could have a guarantee that nobody was ever going to drive by and spray pesticides on you. You know that people are exposed to pesticides all the time. Um, the people who are picking our foods get exposed regularly. Um, our children in schools get exposed to uh, herbicides in the grass in the play yard. So there's, you know, these really powerful toxins everywhere. So we chose organic farms. That was another reason for it. Um, I think I want to just put a pause on it and I've been rambling like crazy. So uh, let me ask if there's anything you want to ask that would be enlightening while I take a sip. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a wonderful um, project that, that I can't wait to see how it turns out and meet with you again in a few months and see how it's progressing. Um, <clears throat> I do have some questions and I imagine the listeners might as well. What will, the day-to-day -day look like and how do these young um, adults adults on the spectrum or w will you have to be diagnosed with autism to be a part of this and if so or if not how do you become a part of it is there a cost and then what will daily life look like because I think I read somewhere that there will be rooming situations um, with community so maybe if you can just get in maybe more of the logistics of what's this going to look like and how is it going to work well so uh funding streams are different in every state in this union um uh self uh directed money is available to people or is theoretically available to people who have developmental challenges after their secondary educations whether it's actually available or not 
is um, a matter of state by state funding in the United States. So here's what it looks like in general. Um, you get a certain amount of money, which allows you to continue your support, whether that be clinical support. Um, you know, because we're coming from the DIR floor time perspective, we think you're going to continue to need um, clinical support in order to continue to develop, um, whether that be mental health support, whether that just be uh, other types of support in the community. So there's money for that. And then there's also money for you to um, put together your housing and your living situation. And states vary widely on that. And it's really criminal in some states. Some states, very affluent states in the Northeast, I'm not going to go around calling out states because that'll probably not be in my best interest in the long run, but some very wealthy states in the Northeast say that there's a certain amount of self-directed uh, money available and that you should be able to get that. And then it's not funded in any way. So there is actually zero monies. Um, and some other states do really quite well with that. So it will depend upon that funding stream partially. Um, and uh, honestly, the costs of the Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance are low, right? They're deliberately designed to have no overhead, zero overhead, own nothing. So the, 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 the place literally, uh, all of these, wherever they might be in the country, will own zero because they are using other people's farms. The overhead is rent. The rents are modest. And the reason the rents are modest is because the actual annual income of an organic farmer is if I told you the national numbers, you would laugh out loud. They're way below the poverty level in the United States. So um, it's really uh, horrible to imagine. So very little uh, support goes a long, long way. These are not people. Um, small family farms are not people who are attempting to get rich. Um, what they're attempting to do is do good, honest work, provide really helpful things for people and, and do good work on the earth. And that's what they're trying to do. So the cost and the overhead is very low. Really the salaries are probably the most expensive thing. Um, the floor timers have to be trained. They have to be great. They can't be minor leaguers. They have to be people who can work in the context of a um, open environment and, do really great developmental supportive work. Um, the occupational therapist has to be a person who has great sensory integration training. Those people, um, I was surprised when I read the national statistics about what occupational therapies, therapists make. Having spent a lot of my time in New York City and now being fairly close to San Francisco, I had this really high notion of what occupational therapists get paid and physical therapists, they actually make much less money than I thought they did nationally. So that being said, um, they're still an expensive part of it. And so are the other clinicians, but um, with very small numbers, you know, with eight people out of sight, with eight individuals with uh, developmental challenges at an individual place, um, it's extremely cost effective. So the cost is comparatively low and available. And it will shift depending on where we are in the country. It just does. I mean, um, Sonoma County is one of the most expensive places in the country to live. New York City, obviously, is one of the most expensive places to live in the country. But when I presented this in Kentucky um, and a woman already had the facility to do it and grabbed it and took it and started running with it right away, um, it was not in one of those very challenging places. And so her costs are tremendously much lower. So it really will depend on where it is. Um, 
do you need a diagnosis? Do you need a diagnosis? No. Well, you know how you probably know better than most people, Daria, uh, that I don't care about diagnosis one iota. Um, Even though you are a clinical psychologist. I am a clinical psychologist and I get to, uh, I have in the past gotten to use the diagnostic and statistical manual, but um, I really broke with the diagnostic and statistical manual when they revised the autism diagnosis and haven't really used it at all since then. I don't actually care about diagnosis. What I care about is, do you come with a developmental challenge? Has that developmental challenge stopped you from being able to make the progress that you have wanted to make in your life? And will a developmental way of working with you, uh, like the one that I'm proposing, Will that be a benefit to you? And if that's the case, then you're in. Um, and, you know, we're a not-for-profit. And so actually the, um, the cost of things can slide. And there is, there is um, charitable support or there will be charitable support um, for people to come as well. So um, diagnosis and cost are not the issue. When I propose this, um, and I've done it a couple times at the United States um, Autism Association, formerly United States Autism and Asperger's Association, um, people always come out of the audience and say, I have the farm right now. I have the space. We're ready to do it. Let's go. This is what we've been looking for, and this is what we want to do. So people who own, who own space want to give it. I've already been approached here in Sonoma County by uh, people who want to give me farms, which is not actually what I'm aiming for because I'm not aiming as much as I love farming. Um, and as much as I would love to farm, um, I'm not the farming genius in my family. My son is the farming genius in, in our family. And he is already the uh, farmer at uh, Shrub Oak International School in Westchester County. So um, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is support already existing organic farms. And those people are actually asking you know, when are you guys going to be ready? We really need your support. So um, diagnosis and money we've talked about. What else? And then what will it look like? Will it be um, they they live at home with their parents or in some other setting and they come to you for the day and then they go back to their setting? Or are you providing uh, residence for them? Well, so right now um, here, we are only going to start with providing a day program. So uh, whatever your housing is, that's your housing. For instance, we have a really famous uh, uh, housing group here in Sonoma County um, that would be able to have access to the day services, which are sort of lacking. Um, I don't mean to say that we don't have day services here in Sonoma County. We do. We don't have developmental day services being offered in the way that I'm proposing. So, um, so they could access them and then return to their housing situations. But um, we are proposing as part of our model in the future to have housing situations, and it would work like this. Another group that we're attempting to help with the Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance are at-risk high school and college students. And by at-risk students, I mean those individuals who are in the alternative learning program who uh, in my experience, um, as someone who might have been considered an at-risk teenager, in my experience, uh, these 
students are loyal, hardworking, bright, talented, just are not walking in lockstep with the rest of the educational community. And so they're in alternative learning programs. We're going to ask those students to come and support the Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance. So as part of their work experience and part of their educational experience, um, alternative learning programs will bring um, their, their students to Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance and they will support the individuals on the spectrum with the work that they're doing and the developmental stuff. And we'll train them in DIR floor time. They'll be heavily vetted. Um, there'll be nobody who could uh, possibly be a threat. Everybody, you know, everybody gets fingerprinted and everybody's well known. So um, those are not considerations. And those individuals, after working in Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance for a number of years, as we open up housing units, will be individuals who will have access to those housing units along with the consumers of Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance. So the model we're going to use for our um, housing is really the Camp Hill model from uh, Waldorf Education. The Camp Hill, um, Camp Hill has existed now for, I know, more than 50 years, because I think I was invited to the 50th anniversary um, celebration of them a few years ago. And um, they're all over the world. And Camp Hill exists in this way. Um, ostensibly neurotypical people and people with developmental challenges live together in a community without a hierarchy. So it isn't as if the neurotypical people are um, taking care of in some way the, uh, the develop people with developmental challenges. Uh, they're living as equals in the community. And that's the model that we'll be using. And the individuals who are identified by us in the alternative learning programs um, are, uh, are the individuals who will be the people who will begin to live in those communities. One of the reasons that uh, that occurred to me to be part of the model is because um, the individuals that I have encountered through my other professional relationships who are in the foster system, um, when they hit the end of the foster system, sometimes find themselves homeless sometimes find themselves with absolutely no support. Um, we have a tremendous junior college in Santa Rosa. Um, Santa Rosa Junior College, nationally famous, um, has been mentioned by some of our national politicians as one of the, one of the schools that they want to model the junior college system um, and the community college system on. Um, there are a tremendous amount of homeless students that attend Santa Rosa Junior College, sleep in their cars, and attend Santa Rosa uh, junior college. So those are the individuals, these hardworking alternative learning program kids who aren't taking a traditional route, um, maybe from the, uh, maybe out of the foster system at the other end who are homeless. Those are the individuals who will be supporting us in our housing and the individuals who have come through our, our system will be well-trained and ready to go. Um, so that's what our housing model is going to look like. But for right now, um, starting, you know, once you get into housing, Right now in the United States, unfortunately, we're in a period of flux where um, the mandate has come down that we don't want people uh, congregated in large housing units anymore, that that's considered to be exclusion from society. The autistic community is adamant about it. Um, advocates are adamant about it. Um, people with autism and their advocates, so, you know, I make a differentiation between those two communities because 
Um, there are people who are really proud of their autistic identity, identify as autistic, are very uh, active and vocal. And there are people who have autism, uh, we use per, per, who use person-first language, and whose advocates may or may not uh, feel the same way that the autistic community feels. So, um, but that's an idea that has really held sway with our federal government and our state governments are beginning to enact it, but how it's going to look, we don't know. Um, so housing is in terrible flux here in the United States and um, people are really upset. In, in California, I attended a meeting where some of our regional center directors were talking to the parents of people who were consuming housing and the parents were, we're not going to live forever. They were screaming. You have to tell us what we can safely do and what housing will be allowed. And uh, they didn't have an answer yet. So we're in flux. But as that sorts, sorts out, these smaller community-based living situations where everybody is an equal um, on the Camp Hill model, I think, are an excellent alternative. That's wonderful. Um, two more questions before we wrap up here. Um, how can people listening donate if they're so interested in doing so to help this? And secondly, how can they find out, I guess three questions, how can they um, find out if they want their son, daughter, cousin, brother, sister to be a part of this? And third, if they're hearing this and saying, I want to do this in my community, I live in Alabama, I live in Texas, I live in Milton, Ontario, I want to do this, uh, can we talk and figure out what your model is and, and how do you, are you, you're doing this in Sonoma County, but you're only one person, I assume you have a team, how are you going to support people all in different places or you're just going to train them? Maybe that's well, a lot of questions, but. Okay. So uh, you can't give me money, not now, not yet. But you can get in more information by going to the Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance uh, website. And uh, it is simply dirtyhandsdevelopmentalalliance.org is one word. And it's a terrible, uh, there it is. It's a terrible, um, it's not an acronym. It's just a terrible web address. But it, is, <laughs> does, it does say it all. And um, when the when our tax status is established here in the United States and we are able to take uh, that's my son's hands there and we're able to take um, charitable contributions and that'll be available. If you want more information, you can go to the website and you can get um, on the mailing list. You can get information from us or you can ask me direct questions. Um, you can also um, reach me through my other website, which is a developmental website, all of these things link together and reach me. So once you reach me, um, and let's say you wanted to make a, uh, you wanted to start a program in your community, we would, um, we would, this is funny to watch that. There it is. Um, that's my developmental blog, but then my website is, um, is also around. But anyways, I think uh, com or something. Yeah. Once you reach me, um, we'll help you. So part of our mission was um, that we wanted to make an easy, um, available, open source 
uh, program available anywhere in the world that wanted to do this. And so as we're putting together the program, we're, we're going to make all of the materials available to every, that's, there's my website. Um, we're going to make all of those materials available to anyone who wants them. And if you were to get in touch with me and say, hey, I want your support and advice, um, I'll talk to you on the phone. We can get together for a go-to meeting. We'll do whatever we have to do. And we'll start to support you. Um, I, in conjunction with uh, the United States Autism Association, we competed for the 100 and Change Grant through the MacArthur Foundation um, in the last round. Uh, we were fighting for that $100 million, and we wanted to uh, make it available to people all around the country. Um, we were really pleased that we made it to the next round. We were not surprised that the the people who beat us were uh, had an international organization were solving another problem. But um, our mission has always been to be of use to others and be open source, nothing at all proprietary, nothing to be bought. Um, we really just want to help people. Um, the way the Dirty Hands logo we're hoping will eventually help people is that when people see it, they'll recognize, oh, here's a group that's supporting people on the autism spectrum and giving back to the community. And so as that begins to pop up at your farmer's markets around the country uh, and in Canada or whatever, wherever, um, you can realize, oh, this is that group and they're doing good work and they're, they're trying to support society. So you can't give, but you can get in touch with me and you can get support from us. Well, this is excellent, and um, I can't wait to follow the progress of this over the next few years, and I hope our listeners will join the mailing list of the Dirty Hands Developmental Alliance. Uh, for those listening to the audio podcast, go to affectautism.com, look up Dirty Hands, look up Gil Tippy, and the blog will pop up. I'm going to put links to everything we discussed, and you can click away and see the beautiful logo that we're showing right now. And I wish you all of the best with this project, Dr. Tippy. I'm so excited for you and uh, excited to watch you go through this next stage. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I mean, it's always such a joy to talk to you. And I look forward to talking to you guys again really soon. Thanks so much. Excellent. Thank you. Until next time, here's to affecting autism through play.